Well, a very good morning, everyone. Great to be with you. And it's a privilege to have these few moments just to share with you some of the things that I've been thinking about over this past week, reading about in the Bible, which is such a, an important and precious book to Christians because we believe the Bible to be the very written and spoken word of God to us. And, um, and it's, just, oh, it's just been great to be together this morning. Um, interesting what you observe, isn't it, when you're looking around as we are together. You know, we were singing the words, um, addressing God, you are strong. And then what caught my eye was, and he's not here right now, was Ben at the front here. He stood there with two kids in his arms. He's holding little Phoebe in one arm and Noah in the other and looking as strong as anything. And uh, sometimes that's what we need of Father God, isn't it? Just to know that he is holding us in his arms. Look, I've got a question for you. If you are a Christian, do you remember that personal invitation that you received to follow Jesus? I wonder if you can remember that. How long ago was it? Who was involved in that whole experience? Especially if having been invited to follow Jesus, you said, yes, I will. And it could be that you're here this morning with us and you don't count yourself a Christian. And I want to say this to you. Don't be surprised if during your association with us as a church, you feel drawn to Jesus. You feel drawn to follow him. Because there is something so dynamic, so important, so wonderful about Jesus that people have been drawn to him for the last 2,000 years. And it's still happening today. It might just happen to you. And I want to emphasize right at the start of this talk that the gospel, the good news about Jesus is invitational. It's loving. It's wonderful. And it requires a personal and an individual response from each one of us. Jesus said, let the children come to me. There's an invitation. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There's an invitation. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. There's an invitation. And Jesus said, come and follow me. There's an invitation. One thing's for sure. I believe that following Jesus truly is the ultimate adventure we could ever have in life. So the few verses that we're going to read from the Bible, these are going to receive our attention this morning. And they comprise really just a brief account of Jesus choosing and calling 12 people to follow him. And these first few weeks of 2022, given that we are looking at the Gospel of Mark, as Esther said earlier on, this is Mark's account of Jesus calling people to follow him. So I'm re reading from the Gospel of Mark. If you find the New Testament, Mark is the second book of, 
along. The Bible is a book in itself, but it's also a collection of 66 books. So halfway through, well, a bit more than that, and two-thirds of the way through, New Testament, Matthew, Mark. That's where we are. Chapter 3, verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip. Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So, just a few verses for this morning. But I love the evidence that we have in the Bible of Jesus calling people to follow him. And they just did. They kind of dropped everything they were doing to follow Jesus, to go with him, to be with him. And earlier in this Gospel of Mark, we have a little more detail of how Jesus called, in particular, Simon and Andrew. They were listed as two of the twelve. And if we went a couple of chapters earlier, right to the first chapter of Mark, the detail is provided here. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of people. At once they left their nets and followed him. It kind of gives you this impression. There was something so special, so, so magnetic about Jesus that Simon and Andrew, when called by Jesus to follow him, they dropped their nets immediately. They left their trade, their job, and they went off with Jesus. They didn't know what adventure lay before them, but they still dropped their nets and followed Jesus. And here was the invitation, come and follow me. So what exactly are they being invited to do? What really does, does it mean to follow me? Well, the detail is given in the invitation that Jesus gave anyway. Because we read in verse 14 that having appointed 12, he designated them apostles. And then we're given the reason, the why, and the what's going to happen in following Jesus. So he appointed these 12 so that, one, they might be with him, two, that they might preach, and three, that they might have authority to drive out demons. And I like that because there seems to be a simplicity in this threefold invitation in coming to follow Jesus. One, I want you to be with me. Two, I want you to do what I do. And three, I want you to tell others. And just those three 
simple invitations that come from the one invitation to follow Jesus. In other words, we are invited to experience the life of Jesus and to share it with others. And bang, there you've got it. That really is and captures the vision that we have together as a little local church here in Hallfield. Our vision is to continually reproduce the life of Jesus, to experience for ourselves and to share it with others. And that's the invitation Jesus gave to these 12. And I think we should just pause for a moment right now and acknowledge that this same invitation comes to you and to me. The same invitation he gave to these 12 comes through the centuries to you and to me right here, right now, January 2022. We are invited to come and follow Jesus and in that invitation to be with him, to do what he did and to share with others. And there it is. The disciples didn't really know yet what this would all entail. And so they seemed to go with Jesus. There must have been a measure of faith, a measure of trust. Because they didn't know what was going to happen, but they went anyway. And they kind of must have felt, I think, that they were going to be okay with this man, Jesus. That it was going to be all right. But it took faith, and it will do on our part. It does take faith and trust on our part to follow Jesus. Faith is core to our Christian lives, to our following Jesus. We don't know the way ahead, so we exercise faith, and we really are good in the hands of Jesus. Do you believe that? You know, with all the struggle of life, with all that we've had in the last couple of years, do you believe we're good in Jesus' hands? And faith comes in. Trust comes in. A commitment to follow Jesus comes in. But in a sense, look, we all do this. We all receive invitations to do things we've never done before, to go to places we've never been to before, and we do it. Not sure what's going to happen. I know it was some time ago that uh, Angela and myself went on holiday with some really good friends of ours. And we ended up visiting Alton Towers. Has anyone else been to Alton Towers? It's a long time ago now, to be honest. Well, not that long, really. Um, Now, our friend's children invited me. They said... Would you go on this ride with us? It was called Oblivion. Well, that was a clue, wasn't it? Straight away. And ignorant of what I was letting myself in for, there I was, stood in this long queue with our friend's kids to go on this ride. It was a a roller coaster, as you can see. And I do wonder if I would have gone at all if I had read the write-up about it. Because if you look at it, it kind of says this. It's the world's first vertical drop roller coaster. A drop of 180 feet straight down. 
Speeds, 110 kph, that's about 70 miles an hour. G-force, 4.5. Well, I don't really know what that means. I know what it feels like now. You get pulled up this slope to the highest point. You kind of track at the top on this horizontal uh, track. And, and then this thing holds you dead still, looking directly down into this hole in the ground. And then it releases, and you just drop. Now, I have never been on anything in my life where I have held tense every single muscle in my body. And I know that surprises you, because you didn't even know I had muscles. But... <laughs> I literally, every single muscle, just that whole experience, I was holding absolutely tense. I mean, as you go down through this hole in the ground, I mean, there's this, these water jets spraying you with water. Believe me, that doesn't matter. <laughs> you are not conscious of that whatsoever. You're just conscious of falling. And you get the whole experience of G-force. And here it is, interesting because this has already been said today. It was both terrifying and exhilarating all at once. Someone said that here, didn't they? A little bit worried, but a little bit excited. And that's what it was like. And do you know, I think this is it. Come, follow me, Jesus invites us to. I'll make you fishers of people. And at once they left their nets, they followed him. His invitation comes to you and to me. And, and you gain this impression that for Simon and for Andrew, they dropped their nets immediately to follow Jesus. They must have been thinking something like this. This is new. This is different. It's going to be a bit of adventure. We've no, got no idea what's going to happen, but let's go for it. Count us in. Let's take the plunge. And they go for it, probably a little bit terrified, a little bit excited. And maybe that's it. We, we have that mix of emotions. And we can be filled with all kinds of emotions. A little wonder, a little trepidation, a little excitement. It's all mixed up in one. So look, where are we right now? First of all, we have all, each one of us been given an invitation directly from Jesus to come and follow him, to be with him, to do what he does, and to share his life with others. Now, this is a good invitation. It is exciting. It is an adventure. And we equally must implicitly place our trust and our faith in Jesus, because we don't really know what is going to be ahead of us. But we are good in his hands. And I want us to take that away with us, certainly from this morning. We are good in his hands, not knowing about tomorrow, next week, this year. And yet today, together, we've shared, some of us, um, some of the things that we're expecting. Moving house looking after elderly parents, work. And, and we, we know things we're expecting, but we don't really know what is ahead of us. So we have to trust in Jesus. We really are in good hands. 
So what happened to these 12? They've been invited and they've accepted the invitation to follow Jesus. You know, what did they see and hear by just being with him? What was it that Jesus did that he's now saying, I want you to do this? What was it that Jesus did when he shared about the love of God with others? And of course, now we have the rest of the story of Mark. And, and you'll find it all there. Jesus healed the sick. He made the blind see. He made the lame to walk again. He cleansed the skin of, of a leper. He challenged injustice. He put people's needs above religious rules. He set free the person that others would seek to punish. He stood up for the oppressed, the vulnerable, the hurting. And Jesus spoke of God's love and forgiveness and acceptance. And it was always a message of hope. And this was what they witnessed by being with Jesus. And for everything that they saw, heard and experienced in following Jesus, it was amazing. It really, really was. I think we're so acquainted with the story, we might just lose a little bit of that amazement. But honestly, it must have been absolutely incredible and these 12 and I think this is going to be the same for each of us as well they were being encouraged they were being trained they were being inspired and they were being empowered to follow Jesus and to follow his example by following him and I kind of think sometimes this school have got this because if you look on the wall here inspire today and power for life and uh, I don't think this is a Christian school it isn't really but they've got a bit of kingdom message up the front of us here so what about the invitation to be with Jesus well this is all about presence the presence of God, the presence of Jesus with us. I love the story of Peter and John that comes up later in Acts when they had to appear before religious rulers and they'd been in jail because of their faith. And Acts 4 says this, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that these were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I wonder what it is about us that others will notice and will know that we've been with Jesus. And there's the encouragement to be with Jesus. I want you to be with me. And so in our praying, in our regular personal devotions, in our gathering, in our worship, in our meditation, let's just be with Jesus. Be inspired by him. Learn from him. Be encouraged by him. A little bit like Mary in the Bible. Very simply, she sat at the feet of Jesus. She just was with him. Listening to him. Enjoying that closeness. So being with Jesus is about presence. What about the invitation then to do what Jesus did? Well, this is about power. Not our power, not our strength. Holy Spirit power, the very strength of God in us. So on another occasion, Jesus sent out 72. We've mentioned the 12. Now there's 
72 of them. He's sending them out. And Jesus said this, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. I think these must have seen Jesus, been with Jesus, saw the miracles of healing that he did. And now Jesus is saying, I want you to do this. What I do, I want you to do. I don't just want you to be with me. I want you to do what I do. And this is part of following Jesus. You know, I sometimes think that even our own son Tom has grasped this. Because there are times occasionally he'll say to me, Dad, I'm meeting up with some friends in town. Would you give me a lift? And if I don't immediately reply with a yes, of course I can, he'll look me straight in the eyes and say, Dad, what would Jesus do? (laughs) I mean, there it is. And as we read the Bible, as we see what Jesus did, as we look around us and see what Jesus is doing, there is that sense we need to imitate him. We need to do what he does. And that invitation is to each of us to follow his example. And I would love to think that we might have the same attitude that Jesus had himself. Because what did he actually say? He said this, look, I'll tell you the truth. The son, that's me, the son of God, can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. I love that. And I love the attitude that comes with that. And I think that's the attitude for us. Is we should be doing what Jesus did. We should be doing what Jesus does. And we can't do anything other than what he does. And that's what he said about his father God. And I feel that we should be of that same mind. And that same attitude altogether. And it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us. We don't, go out, we don't go it alone. We don't do it in our own strength. Don't have to summon it all up in us. We trust Holy Spirit, would you come? Give me the strength, give me the power to do what Jesus did. Lastly, what about the invitation to tell others? Because that's the other part to this, isn't it? Well, we can't escape that great commission that Jesus has given to us. At the end of Mark, it says this, and these are words of Jesus. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. We're meant to share the life of Jesus and the good news about Jesus with our friends and our family, our neighbors, our work colleagues, all those with whom we engage in life. I just wonder, going back to my very first question at the beginning, Who was involved in that invitation that you received to follow Jesus when you said yes? I bet someone was involved, probably. How did they help you? How did they share the life of Jesus with you? How did they express the invitation to follow him to you? And then you got it. You said, yes, I'm going to do this. Who were those significant people in your lives who just helped you to trust in Jesus for yourself? Have we got it? We're meant to be doing that for others. We're meant to be influential and supportive and encouraging and telling others about Jesus to encourage them to follow him for themselves. It's great to do good things. 
It's great to be involved in feeding the the hungry and uh, helping the poor and visiting those who are alone. It's good to do these things, but we've got to have the ability to express why we do this. We're not just doing good. We're doing it because we love Jesus. And we want them to experience something of the love of God. And we need to be able to express and share the life of Jesus with others. And those were my very simple thoughts from today's reading. Come follow me, Jesus said. I want you to be with me. I want you to do what I do. And I want you to share all of this with others. There's the invitation. That's the talk today. Invitation. But before we worship together at the end of our time, I wonder if I could just say one more thing. Only because of this, having expressed very clearly that the invitation those 12 and then the 72 and so many more had from Jesus to come and follow him. Knowing that that same invitation comes through the centuries to you and to me here in January 2022. I wonder if there is someone or more here today who are still thinking to yourself, Jesus cannot possibly want me. He cannot possibly want me as a follower. He wouldn't want to invite me to be with him. Does he really know who I am? What I've done? And maybe some are just saying, no, this invitation is not for me. Jesus doesn't want me. But did you notice in the list of names that we read, the 12, that when Mark writes his account, he is doing so with the benefit of hindsight. So he knows what's going to happen because it's already happened. And he's writing back, recollecting, because he's mentioning 12 by name. And four of them, he has given, what shall we say, a less than favorable description, to be honest. He's mentioned, for example, that there were James and John, brothers. But Jesus gave them a name. Sons of thunder, he called them. Well, what does that mean? I mean, you know, maybe they were fiery characters, argumentative, strong. And maybe you kind of wonder, why why Jesus would you want people like that? And then Mark mentions Simon. What's the description? Oh, he's a zealot. Now, he is a bit of a fanatic. He is in your face all the time, doesn't stop talking, doesn't stop going on about everything, feels really strongly, very opinionated. Why would Jesus want someone like that? And then he mentions Judas. What does he say about Judas? Oh, Judas, he betrayed Jesus to the authorities. Why would Jesus invite Judas to be with him amongst those 12 And I just wanted to make this observation. I'm playing with this possibility that Mark is thinking to himself, a third of Jesus' choices of people to follow him weren't exactly great choices, were they? Would you choose them to be on your team after all? But the point is Jesus had them. He invited them. He walked with them. He talked with them. He lived life with them. 
And Mark doesn't even mention Peter for a description of, uh, remember Peter denied even knowing Jesus? Doesn't mention Matthew for having worked for the opposition, the enemy, the occupying forces. Here's the point. Jesus still chose them. He still wanted them. He still invited them. Don't discount yourself from the invitation. 